Hey, you're listening to the audio version of Well Read with Justin Chapman. If you'd like to watch the video version, please go to youtube.com backslash C backslash Justin Chapman 15 or just search for Well Read with Justin Chapman in the YouTube search bar. Learn more at justindouglaschapman.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Well Read. I'm your host, Justin Chapman. We're getting close, but this pandemic is not over. Don't let down your guard. California has the lowest coronavirus case rate in the country and is going to open up completely on June 15th. And starting this summer, the EU and Canada will let in vaccinated Americans. But India, for example, is experiencing a devastating crisis and the tiniest fraction of the populations of African countries have been vaccinated. According to the UN, without access to vaccines, COVID will continue widening inequality everywhere, especially in poorer countries. This isn't over until the vaccine is readily available worldwide, which it currently is not. The U.S. is far from achieving herd immunity, so it could come roaring back. Fortunately, the Biden administration said the U.S. will begin providing doses to other countries, which is a good first step. Meanwhile, The CDC has updated its guidance. Fully vaccinated Americans can now go without masks outdoors, except in crowded settings. But being fully vaccinated does not mean you're 100% in the clear. There's still a small chance you could pass the virus on to someone who's unvaccinated. You still gotta take common sense precautions, especially indoors. On an unrelated note, I wanna bring to your attention a Discovery Channel TV show featuring Mad Mike Hughes, the flat earther daredevil rocketeer whose final and fatal rocket launch I covered for Huffington Post and Alta Journal last year. The show is called Homemade Astronauts and it will air May 13th on the Discovery Plus streaming app. It will include more context about Mike's trials and errors leading up to his fateful launch in February, 2020. In international news, President Biden has announced the complete withdrawal of the remaining 2,500 U.S. troops from from Afghanistan by September 11th of this year. That will end a war that killed more than 2,200 U.S. troops, wounded 20,000, and cost $1 trillion, not to mention the countless casualties and devastation experienced by Afghanis. This is by far the longest U.S. war in its history. And while there is a risk of the Taliban making gains there, the U.S. can't stay there forever and arguably shouldn't have invaded in the first place. The same certainly goes for Iraq. In national news, Biden delivered his first address to Congress recently to a sparsely attended audience due to COVID. All in all, it was a breath of fresh air after four speeches by the former guy, who was all doom and gloom. At least Biden, a centrist by all measures, is governing somewhat progressively and consciously invoking FDR in an attempt to widen what the government can do for the people it is supposed to serve. With razor-thin majorities in both houses of Congress, it remains to be seen if he will be successful. But so far, so good for the most part. In California, check out Desert X, a series of free outdoor art installations throughout the Coachella Valley in Southern California. There are some really interesting pieces in this exhibit that are definitely worth a visit. Desert X runs through May 16th, 2021. Also in California news, California will lose a house seat for the first time in its history due to the mangled results from and distrust in the way the Trump administration handled the 2020 census. 
those consequences will be felt well into the future. Meanwhile, Governor Newsom will face a recall election later this year after opponents gathered enough signatures to put the question to voters statewide. Because what we need right now is another contentious election year. Let's patch in our guest, musician Brad Logan. Brad, thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, Justin. Happy to be here. Brad Logan is a guitarist and writer from Southern California. He's really an institution in the punk rock world. He was the founder and guitarist for the hardcore punk band F- and currently plays guitar in the anarcho-punk band Leftover Crack and bass with first wave legends The Adolescents. Logan has spent his life in underground music scenes and on tour as a roadie, musician, and loiterer. He's worked at record labels, venues, nightclubs, DIY spaces, and waded through toxic medical waste as an assistant plumber. Currently, he runs an occult pet accessory company called Hellhounds with his wife, artist Kristen Farrell. And of course, many years ago, the band Rancid wrote a song about him called Brad Logan, which was featured on the Chef Aid episode of South Park. So, so Brad, why don't you start by telling me about where you grew up and, and how you got into the music scene, your, your early career. Uh, I grew up in uh, Southern California um, in Huntington Beach. Uh, my family moved here in the early 70s. And um, um, uh, I was born in Arizona, but grew up here. And, um, uh, you know, it, it uh, um, uh, you know, how I got in, involved in the punk music scene, I suppose, you know, I grew up listening to, <clears throat> you know, my mom would give me records. She would buy them at, at, you know, garage sales and flea markets or whatever. And, you know, here, brought you some records, you know, and it'd be like Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath or, you know, things like that. So I, I you know, I was reared on, on, uh, uh, pretty good classic rock, in my opinion, stuff that I, <laughs> that I still listen to today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if my, my mother was into it, but I was like, Oh, this cover looks interesting. Why don't you listen to this? Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, um, you know, the, the punk scene, uh, was just kind of a, um, you know, at the time I, I, I was growing up around here, it was very, um, uh, there were very sharp defined lines of, you know, uh, if you went punk, you know, you were like, if you cut your hair and went punk, you were, um, you were taking the plunge, man. You were taking a big step and sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, just kind of throwing away uh, your old friend group and, you know, music that you listen to and, and um, you know, opening yourself up to, uh, um, you know, confrontation and ridicule. And, and uh, but it was definitely, uh, you know, and, and I kind of just gravitated towards it because I had some friends who, you know, uh, we were all listening to like, you know, um, the sex pistols and, and Devo and stuff like that in, in grade school, you know, and, and uh, then I had friends who <clears throat> sort of went professional and cut their hair and started going to gigs, you know, and, and uh, I just kind of fell in with that crew, you know, at some point um, and, and cutting your hair was sort of, uh, you know, the defining moment of, of where you drew those lines, you know, and, and, you know, hairstyles were nothing like they are now, right? Like, um, you know, just cropping your hair short and bleaching it was like, 
you know, was just mind blowingly, you know, <laughs> insane and, and wearing straight leg pants and a button down thrift store shirt, you know? Um, and so that's how I came into it and, and, you know, started going to, uh, uh, gigs up in, in Hollywood and stuff with, um, some friends of mine down here and, and, uh, you know, seeing all the bands, you know, around that time period of early eighties, you know, and, and, um, and you know, the rest is history. I just, I never, uh, you know, there were sort of brief periods where I was kind of out of the, you know, the scene or whatever, and wasn't going to, uh, to shows anymore. I've pretty much never lost, you know, my love of it and, and have been going, you know, all of my life, mm-hmm. you know, to everything, DIY basement shows, to parties, to, you know, um, arena shows or whatever, you know, it's just, um, uh, just something I've always loved and, and never saw it as a thing you would grow out of, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, it, it was a lifestyle. It was, you know, it was a way of life and, yeah. and a way of looking at things. And, and, and um, what, what are some of your favorite bands? I like a, a lot of things. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm all over the board, mm-hmm. you know, so um, early influences aside from, you know, the, the classic rock stuff, you know, as far as, you know, punk bands are concerned, I guess that, you know, the, the first things that really like kind of cracked my head open were, um, I, I got a cassette tape, I borrowed a cassette tape from a friend of mine. Um, on one side, it had uh, the germs GI and on the other side, it had, uh, the nervous breakdown seven inch of black flag. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I was like, what is this? I've never heard anything so totally, uh, you know, insane. And, and you know, uh, it, it sounded like I felt inside, you know. Mm-hmm. Circle Jerks were another band I loved, you know, and this was early on stuff. And, and but, you know, I, I, I also liked a lot of, uh, started getting into a lot of um, uh, English bands too you know uh, stuff like wire and uh you know echo and the bunny men and, and uh you know all that early sort of you know killing joke you know as well as like you know some of the sham 69 and and uh you know those bands were all very uh influential uh, and and from there i kind of uh you know, when the scene got too violent, you know, uh, the punk scene got too violent here. Uh, I kind of gravitated more towards, um, things like, uh, you know, darker, dark wave stuff. Um, and goth wasn't really a term, you know, it was, it was death rock and, and, you know, 45 grave and, and, uh, Christian death and, and, you know, Bauhaus and, and birthday party and, uh, you know, things like that, uh, coming over from England. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, progressive stuff at the time. Uh, and I just kept branching out from there. You know what I mean? Those bands opened my mind to, you know, to their influences because you really had to work to research, you know, uh, uh, things back then or, or discover things by accident, you know, just flipping through records. And I worked at a record store. I worked at a, a record store here and, uh, and that really helped because my friend who got me the job was the import buyer and he would read all the 
you know, the, uh, the, the press paper, you know, the enemy and, and sounds and stuff like that. And, and just order these records for the shop, you know, um, based on, you know, like, Oh, you know, these guys sound like they'd be fucking really cool. The fall, they were a great band. And so we get these things. And a lot of times you'd have to buy them, you know, based on the cover, you know, with no idea what this is going to sound like. This right. just looks like it's going to be from hell. You know, or, or word of mouth, I got dragged to a lot of shows uh, where I hadn't heard the band before. And, and you know, somebody was like, oh, you got to see, come on, you got to see this band. It's going to be great, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I saw a lot of bands like that where, there, you know, there were 50 people in the audience, you know, because there was no, uh, you know, the way, the way to get the word out there was, you know, word of mouth, you know. Um, or, or fanzines or, or British press or whatever. And then, and then in terms of when you, when you started playing music yourself, I think you said it was uh, Tim Armstrong of Rancid who, who encouraged you to, to actually pursue that. Well, I was in bands when I was a, a kid. Um, I, I was in some, uh, you know, punk bands around Southern California. Uh, I was in this band uh, uh, called the OZ Hairs with Mark Alva and, uh, uh, I was in a band called Harry Carey, who were from um, uh, San Pedro. They were like a, you know, sort of a proto-peace punk kind of band. And and uh, we went out, we did a short tour, you know, opening for the Misfits and, you know, in the early 80s. And, and then I kind of crashed and burned in the late 80s, you know, and, and, uh, um, and, and you know, we just sold off all my gear and, and really just didn't think I would ever play music mm-hmm. ever again. You know, and uh, and it wasn't until the the early '90s when, <clears throat> you know, I'd uh, I started working at um, you know at venues around town, you know, and and, and up in LA um, as a stagehand uh, that I met, um, you know, the crew of Rancid who uh, just called me out of the blue one day and, and was like, you know, hey, they need a guitar tech and and you want to do it. And I had never been a guitar tech in my life. I knew how to tune a guitar. That was about it. <laughs> it's like, Oh, let me think about it. I had to think about it for a week. Cause I had to, you know, would have had to quit my job. I, I was working uh, also at a, at a, a distributor mm-hmm. uh, called the Abbey road, which was a pretty big, you know, distributor out here at the time. Like, I don't know if I want to quit my job. <laughs> I don't know about this. I took a shot and it, you know, and I went out with those guys and, you know, I got to know the band, you know, really well. And, 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 uh, uh, I got to know Tim really well and we became, uh, uh, good friends. Mm-hmm. And he sort of like, you know, encouraged me to pick up a guitar again. You know, I didn't even tell him I had ever been in bands or anything before. I mean, you know, I sort of found out by accident. It's like, what? You're not playing? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. You know, and, and, uh, uh, so I want to credit him as, as being, um, you know, instrumental in, in me, uh, you know, doing everything that I've done from now, from, you know, from then till now, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the bands I've been in and, you know, recorded works and any sort of output and, and uh, you know, it, it sprang from there really. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm also really interested in the, uh, the oral history book of uh, about leftover crack that you're putting together for rare bird books, which also published my book a few years ago. So tell me about that book, how it came about and when it's coming out. The book is titled uh, Architects of Self-Destruction. It, it just went up for pre-order today on, you know, uh, 
all the usual outlets that one pre-orders things from. And, and um, the book came about, uh, you know, simply because, <laughs> you know, there was so much um, unbelievably, you know, just crazy bullshit that would happen on tour, you know, uh, with that band, we had, um, uh, you know, so much so that it became totally uh, normalized. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, think of the craziest, you know, riots or, or, or just, you know, people like, um, you know, fist fights on stage and, you know, and, it was just like, oh, you know, it didn't even flinch anymore. And, and but there was a lot of opposition, you know, and, and uh, as well, there was, uh, you know, we had a lot of confrontational situations with people who did not want to, um, you know, uh, hear songs about, uh, you know, um, sexual equality or gender equality and, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, anti-fascist, uh, um, you know, pop tunes, really. And, uh, um, so, you know, we'd be rolling around in the van, which we seemed to do endlessly for about a decade, you know, just constantly on tour, eight months a year. And I'm like, God, man, somebody should write a book about all this crazy bullshit. One of these days, you know, this is just like, uh, it's too funny. And, uh, and finally I was like, well, you know what? I might as well be that guy. You know, I would say that to everybody and, and, uh, um, uh, and then finally I'm like, well, you know, fuck it. I'm going to do it. Uh, and, and, uh, I, you know, I reached out to, you know, I had this idea and, and, uh, I had kind of a narrative, you know, or a timeline. Um, and, and I reached out to John, uh, Gentile from punk news, um, because, I, you know, I wanted to work with, uh, somebody who, you know, he was a writer, you know, and, and a journalist and an editor and, and, uh, um, you know, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I just had this idea, you know, I asked a few people and he was, <laughs> he was the only one that was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. This sounds like a great idea. I don't, I wouldn't have gotten this book completed without him. I mean, you, you know, we interviewed, you know, probably around a hundred people and we split the interviews up, you know, I'd be like, okay, you talk to these guys and I'll talk to these guys. And, and, um, you know, just hours and hours of, of, uh, um, you know, tape interviews and digital interviews and then having to transcribe all that. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you, you know, you've written books. It's, it's hard enough just to write your own book where you're the sole voice in it. Right. right. I mean, I loved doing it. I love, you know, I love writing and I love, uh, um, um, uh, editing and I love constructing things and, and, you know, uh, uh, so I was into the whole process, mm -hmm. you know, um, and John was too, you know, John's a fiend too. And, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately we had to, uh, you know, we couldn't put everything in the book, you know, we had to, you know, trim it down, but, um, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm really stoked on it. You know, I'm really excited about this thing and, and, uh, that we, <laughs> that we finished it and it didn't kill us, you know? So yeah, so also I wanted to just you know tell you how sorry I am to hear about Alec Bailey and just send you my condolences and to the band and, and his family and friends. Um, you know, for those who don't know, he was the original bassist in the band's choking victim and, and leftover crack, and he passed away last fall. And he was just such a talented musician, and it's a, a real loss. Um, so I just wanted to tell you that. 
Thank you, Justin. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> um, you know, it's a, the book is a sad story, you know, and and uh, uh, you know, uh, and Alec was, I mean, you know, as well as being my friend, uh, you know, he was a, a, an amazingly talented musician, um, not only bassist but you know, um, uh, you know, very creative, uh, you know very funny, you know, uh, I mean, just warped sense of humor, uh, you know, highly intelligent. And he was the anchor of the band. I mean, he was kind of the glue that, that held us all together. And, and, uh, you know, most bass players are kind of like stable guys, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I know I'm stereotyping, but you know, I, I've seen a lot of that, you know, where it's like, Oh, who's running shit. It's the bass player, you know? And and he was that guy, you know, very grounded sort of dude, you know, he was crazy too, but, <clears throat> um, you know, he was more grounded than, than the rest of us, you know? So, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he's irreplaceable, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. He's going to be missed. Can I also ask, what, what was it that happened with, with Ezra, the first leftover crack guitars? What was the, the, the nature of that, that disagreement or that split? I think it's just, you know, um, uh, you know, the push and pull of, of the, you know, there were just, you know, um, so many creative types within the band, you know, everybody was, uh, you know, a songwriter on their own. Everybody was, uh, you know, um, a talent uh, on their own, really, uh, you know, Ara and, and, and Ezra and Alec and, and Sturgeon and, and, uh, you know, and I had my own bands and stuff too. And, and, um, you know, so to get that many personalities, you know, together to agree on the same thing is like, it's a miracle it lasted as long as it did, you know, and, and, uh, and I think Sturgeon and Ezra are both brilliant songwriters and, and very, um, you know, they know what they want and they're very, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, strong personalities. And, and so, you know, I think, uh, you know, in the end, they just, uh, uh, um, they felt they had done as much as they could together and, and decided to, you know, start working separately, you know, um, Ezra didn't really quit, you know, there wasn't sort of some big, you know, uh, dramatic exit, you know, he just kind of like stopped playing shows with us, you know, um, which is a bummer because he's fucking brilliant. And, and I, I love, you know, he's, he's, I love him like a brother. And, uh, um, you know, I think the uh, uh, the stuff that we did together, uh, you know, with with all all of those components together, um, that push and pull, you know, was brilliant. You know, and the same sort of push and pull I've seen in other bands that I really admire. You know, sure. that also haven't lasted. <laughs> you know, um, so uh, um, that's my take on it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Leftover Crack were really unapologetic pioneers in terms of calling out the police for their corruption and, and brutality long before people really started noticing what was going on around about 2014 when, when the expansion of cell phone videos and that kind of thing. You guys feel some kind of vindication for, for that? Well, I think, I mean, th that's the history of, of, you know, rebel music, really, and, 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 and you know, um, you know, not only the punk scene, but, uh, you know, um, you know, late sixties and, and, uh, and I just think that that viewpoint 
just keeps being enforced. Like, you know, no, we made it, you know, and, and this is really what's happening, you know, and, and just really driving it home. Um, you know, we weren't, you know, the first ones to ever do that, but we were, uh, you know, um, carrying that torch of, Hey, this is real. And this is really fucking going on, you know, and, and take a look around, you know, lots of other bands have done that too. And I think that we were in a, in a position, you know, w- with the labels that we're, you know, uh, associated with and, and the profile that we had and wrapping those sort of things in, in sort of a, uh, you know, um, a pop format. I mean, if you look at the, the core of a lot of these leftover crack songs, the pop songs, you know, and, uh, you know, it's catchy, you know, putting in a wrapping in the catchy rapper, you know, we're just a part of, of, of something bigger, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> if we've done anything to, to, you know, open people's eyes to, to, you know, um, to help to, uh, you know, uh, spread the awareness of things like that and, and affect some positive changes, uh, and, and maybe some of it's being, you know, in what's being reflected now, then, uh, that, you know, that's a good feeling, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it's totally worth it in yeah. that alone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and did I hear you say in another interview that that leftover crack has two albums worth of unreleased songs? Oh yeah. We have a ton of stuff. I mean, Sturgeon's got a ton of stuff. You know, I have stuff. Um, uh, we have stuff that was recorded. You know, we still have a, a um, you know, a group of songs that Alec, you know, recorded with us that that are new songs that, um, you know, I haven't seen the light of day yet. And, and uh, yeah, we have a ton of material. It's it's really just a question of, um, you know, finishing up some things and, and, and deciding what's going to go where and when, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I've also heard you talk before about how the pandemic has, has actually been a period where you've been able to be pretty productive. Uh, so, so what has the pandemic been like for you and what projects are you currently working on? The pandemic did for me what I couldn't do for myself, which was put the, put the brakes on, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I had been like, uh, you know, in this runaway train of, of, you know, uh, just constantly on the move and constantly touring and, and, uh, um, between multiple bands uh, for a long, long time. And uh, I was getting pretty exhausted. Um, so I don't know if I would have been able to, uh, uh, you know, stop and, and uh, take a breath, you know, um, if something like this hadn't happened, you know, um, uh, I was approaching some sort of uh, uh, fucking mania. And uh, aside from, you know, uh, you know, the obvious uh, very real dangers health wise. And, um, you know, everybody's out of a job and, you know, uh, economically, like, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are screwed. A lot of, you know, my musician friends and, and artist friends and, and, uh, you know, there's no shows, there's, there's no, um, you know, a lot of us live hand to mouth, you know, check to check. Right. And, uh, as it were. <laughs> right. And, um, uh, so aside from that, uh, creatively, this has just been like, um, you know, uh, the best thing that could have happened to me. It's like, all right, everything else has been removed. You know, all the external, uh, um, you know, distractions have, have been removed and, and, you know, now what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, 
we started hammering out this, you know, throwing everything into hammering out this book. Um, uh, I started working on, on multiple musical projects uh, with people I was already involved with, but also with people um, that I hadn't played with before and, and uh, you know, in different states and in different countries and, you know, sending tracks back and forth. I played on a few people's tracks and uh um you know i started a, a band with my friend in in uh uh the uk uh gaba from chaos uk and my friend sarah uh from uh question and detestation in portland and you know we've been sending tracks back and forth and um and i've been working on solo stuff and uh but really you know uh what i've really enjoyed the most is just you know being home and, 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 uh, hanging out with my family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, my dogs are my family. I have three dogs and two cats and, and, uh, you know, and Kristen and, and, uh, um, and just kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, taking stock of, of, uh, um, what's really important, you know, those, uh, um, you know, the, um, uh, taking things slow, you know, which is not very unlike me to do that, you know, um, and, uh, and, and I've really, uh, um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that opportunity to be shown these things, you know, and, and to have this time to, uh, you know, work on, uh, um, cause it's hard to work on music when you're, you know, for me on the road, you know, uh, it's hard to write when you're on the road when you're constantly moving, you know, um, uh, to have a chance to get new things started, you know, and, and, uh, uh, so, um, I was able to do that and, you know, and I started another book as well. I'm, I'm, I'm working on another book for, uh, PM press, um, that'll be out, uh, yet to be titled, you know, a collection of essays and, and rantings, uh, you know, uh, probably be out sometime in, um, uh, you know, end of 22, if I'm lucky. Or you know, end of twenty one, beginning of twenty two. If I'm lucky. Um, uh, so these, uh, you know, I love playing. I, I really do, and I love shows, and 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 I love uh, um, that connection with people. Um, but life hasn't stopped, <laughs> you know, by any means. And you know this, Justin. It's it's just like life is in session, man, and it just keeps rolling, you know. It's like, oh, okay, this door's closed. Cool. Well, you know what's over here, mm-hmm. right? It, it for for uh, you know uh, people like you and I, you know, are are, are just you know, um, uh, or me, you know, for me, my the, the hamster wheel just keeps turning in my head. You know, the hamster wheel in my head just keeps turning. And and then lastly, what do you what are you seeing as the the future of the live music scene in particular? I see that that uh, leftover crack is on the bill for the punk rock bowling music festival this September in Vegas with No Effects, Circle Jerks, Devo, Anti Flag. Uh, are other shows in the works for you guys? Yeah, but it's all a theory at this point, isn't it? You know, I, I think that you know uh, in, in the beginning, uh, you know, we just <laughs> just yeah, everybody just kept moving dates. You know, like all right, we're pushing it back another couple months, another couple months, till finally everybody just canceled everything. And so now there's you know tentative dates being booked, and and you know whether or not this will happen, you know, who knows, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and how it's going to play out. 
you know, who knows? Um, anyone's guess, right? Um, I, I, at this point, I couldn't see being jammed in in any sort of room, you know, w- w- with with a ton of people, yeah. you know, everybody sharing each other's oxygen and bodily fluid, you know, like mm-hmm. that just sounds like crazy to me right now, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, that the lineup looks, you know, looks awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Would you go to a show right now? Pro- not right now. No. No, I mean I'm fully vaccinated, but but you know my daughter isn't obviously, so yep, we yep. still play it safe. Yep, me too. I wouldn't either. You know, mm-hmm. I have a half a vaccination. You know, I got my first shot, mm-hmm. um, but even fully vaxxed, I mean, it's like yeah, you know, uh, um, there's too many factors mm-hmm. for sure. Well, Brad, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and and talking about your career. Thanks so much, Justin. Thanks for talking to me and, and, and hit me up. Thank you all for tuning in. If you need recommendations for good reads, check out Permanent Record by Edward Snowden. Whether you agree with what he did or not, it's an important read. And The Company by Robert Littell, a novel about the CIA during the Cold War, a period I find endlessly fascinating. Okay, before we go... Let's check in with our senior toddler correspondent, Sienna. Thank you for that report, Sienna. That's it for this episode. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned for new episodes of Well Read once a month. You can find this show on YouTube and the Pasadena Media TV channel. Check for showtimes at PasadenaMedia.org or watch it on their streaming app. I'm Justin Chapman, signing off. Learn more about my work at JustinDouglasChapman.com and sign up to receive my email newsletter to get updates on what I'm working on at JustinChapman.Substack.com slash subscribe. And remember, a life well read is a life well spent. So go read a book. Till next time.